0: You're listening to the micro version of the Savage Lovecast. www.savagelovecast.com.
1: If you're stuck in a relationship quandary, or if you're looking for sexual harmony,
2: well, there's nothing you can't ask
3: on the Savage Lovecast. The headline did its job. In fairness, it caught my attention. I read the story. But I clicked through after seeing the headline, which isn't something I usually do because like everybody else, I read a lot more headlines than I do actual stories. But I clicked through to read Jack Kelly's piece in Forbes last week because the headline pissed me off. I don't know. I guess I felt in that moment like I needed something else to get upset about because there isn't enough. And that's how I found myself on the website of Forbes, the capitalist tool, doing a little hate reading, a little outrage stroking. The headline of the piece read, Americans are excessively eating, drinking, smoking pot, playing video games, and watching porn while quarantined. What I expected to read on Forbes, a publication that valorizes heroic CEOs who pay their employees so little they have to go on food stamps to survive, what I expected to read at Forbes was a piece scolding Americans for all the eating, drinking, bong-hitting, and porn-watching we've been doing over the last month. Because there's an implicit value judgment in the word excessive. No, wait, it's it's an explicit value judgment. When someone accuses you of drinking to excess, they're not paying you a compliment. If you're doing something, anything excessively, you're doing too much of it. But that wasn't Kelly's point. He doesn't think Americans are eating, drinking, fapping, or smoking too much weed. He doesn't want us to dial it back. But if you only read the headline and screen grabs of that headline are still being passed around on social media this week, you would think some asshole at Forbes, the capitalist tool, wants you to feel bad about your coping mechanisms, which, if they're anything like mine, pretty closely track the rest of that headline. In reality, in the actual piece, Kelly comes to our defense. He's got the backs of all the new day drinkers and wakened bakers out there. The piece is actually a slapdown of some other dude named Jeremy Haynes. He's a corporate brand manager or something. I read his bio on Twitter. I still can't figure out what he does, but he's apparently branching out into motivational tweeting. Here's what Haynes tweeted last week that inspired Kelly's piece. If you don't come out of this quarantine with either a new skill, starting what you've been putting off like a new business or more knowledge, you did never lack the time. You lacked the discipline. So basically, you know, get to work, you lazy, unemployed fucks. Kelly at Forbes ain't having it. Whether the tweet was meant to be motivational or self-serving, the message is a tone-deaf directive to millions of Americans who are desperately trying to cope with their changing new reality. And in our new reality, 10 million of us are unemployed, 50 million of us could be unemployed soon, and a deranged lunatic with authoritarian tendencies is running the country and we have no idea when or how this is going to end. Shit is scary. And in the same way, some people react to stress by getting horny while other people's libidos tank. Some of us react to stress by getting busy, by working. Others react to stress by getting high. Kelly goes on, it's unhelpful to chastise people who are just trying to hang on and make it through the day. And most people are not heeding the hustle porn hucksters' advice. They are choosing to decompress instead. The stats Kelly cites about how we're decompressing are staggering. Booze sales up 75%. Online alcohol sales up 250%. The sale of pot in states with legal weed? Through the roof as it surely is in the States with illegal weed. Oreos, in particular, are flying off store shelves right along with toilet paper and porn consumption way up. a, A brief aside, does anyone else think it's weird how we talk about watching TV and seeing movies but consuming porn? Anyway, I wanted to second the actual point Kelly's making in his piece. If smoking weed and watching some porn makes it more pleasurable to stay at home, then by all means watch some porn and smoke some weed. And if filling the house with Oreos makes it easier to stay at home, fill the house with Oreos and weed. Because if there was ever a mass-produced industrial sandwich cookie that needed the assist that only weed can provide, it's Oreos. Oreos. I'm not a fan. But I can say, without having read anything else he's ever written and not wanting to spoil it for myself by reading anything else he's ever written, I am a fan of Jack Kelly's. And let me fix that headline for you, headline writers at Forbes. Americans are doing what they need to do to stay home and stay sane. And anyone who doesn't like it can fuck the fuck off. All right, coming up on today's show, comedian and author Erin Gibson from the Throwing Shade podcast joins me. She takes a question with me on the micro and a couple of more questions with me on the Magnum. The Magnum is the edition of the Savage Lovecast that you can subscribe to at savagelovecast.com. Twice as much show, more guests, no ads. That's the Magnum Savage Lovecast But Aaron Gibson's with us today for both the micro and the magnum. This episode of the Savage Lovecast is brought to you by Pill Club, the birth control subscription that's delivered right to your door. Get a special care package with your first delivery. Go to thepillclub.com slash savage.
0: This episode of the Lovecast is brought to you by the good folks at Squarespace. They make it easy to build a beautiful website, blog, or online store. Head on over to squarespace.com slash savage for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, use the offer code savage to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain.
3: Thanks to Theragun for supporting the Savage Lovecast. Theragun is the handheld percussive therapy device that releases your deepest muscle tension using a scientifically calibrated combination of depth, speed, and power. For a limited time, my listeners get up to $150 off your device at theragun.com slash savage.
4: Hi, Dan. Here's a quarantine sex story for you and your listeners. My partner is a queer man who's exploring his gender identity. A month or two ago, when I was cleaning out my closet, he saw a formal gown that I had pulled out for a donation because it was a little bit too big for me. It is a beautiful dress, black halter top with a metal chain at the neck and floor-length silky pleats that fade from deep pink to deep purple. It caught his eye and he bravely asked, hey, can you keep that for me? My partner and I are almost the exact same size and I knew it would fit him perfectly. So this dress hung in the closet until last weekend when after round one of hot sex where I was recipient and the focus, he asked to play dress up and I got to pick the outfit. So, of course, I went for that dress. He looked so beautiful in it. I love zipping it up and locking the metal chain at the back of his neck. He got to twirl around a bit and then I got to fuck his ass just like he'd fantasized about afterwards. He left it on for a few hours wearing the dress and a butt plug while he lounged around the house. Finally, he came back to me and I held him while he masturbated. It was so hot and I'm so honored by his vulnerability and playfulness. This was definitely something new for us. Thanks for all you do.
3: Well, I think that was our hottest quarantine sex story to date. Thank you for calling and sharing it. And there are some perks to the lockdown. A lot of hardship has been imposed, but some people are finding the time in the space that they needed, they didn't have before to explore with their lovers if they're lucky enough to be sheltering in place with their lovers. Thank you for sharing. If you, listener, have a quarantine sex story that you'd like us to open the show with in the next few weeks, give us a buzz 206-302-2064 and share your quarantine sex story we might open next week's Savage Lovecast with it.
5: Hi, Dan. uh, Mid-20s bi lady here. Uh, I have a bit of a quarantine predicament that I would love some help with. So um, I've decided that I should break up with my boyfriend, um, who's my primary partner. Um, There's no really like key reason other than um, I've just started really feeling like we're more friends than romantic partners. We've been together for about a year and a half um, and we are in an open relationship. Um, I have two secondary partners who are a couple um, and my boyfriend's been super supportive of that relationship and um everyone involved seems to be really happy with it for the most part i would say that like he's just basically like my best friend we're really close um but i just haven't really been feeling like the the romantic spark anymore so i have been thinking about ending things with him for a while but i was i've been having a hard time kind of trying to figure out um how and when to do it I haven't really seen him in almost two weeks because we've been um, dealing with the shelter-in-place in my city and uh, we've been all taking it super seriously. So I really haven't seen anyone other than my roommates. Um, so it's been hard trying to figure out um, like how to... Um, stay connected with him during this time also. Um, So I kind of feel like now would be like maybe the best time to do it um, since we're already like social distancing from each other. So there is one kind of curveball in this whole situation, which is that the other night it was really just me and my one roommate who were home and we got kind of drunk together and ended up having like super super hot forbidden quarantine sex um it was really fucking amazing um and since then we have like I had sex multiple other times. I feel really bad about cheating on my partner. And I know that a lot of it has to do with the fact that, like, we're all just in this really crazy situation. And I'm not really worried about things getting, like, super weird with my roommate. We're, we're pretty good friends. And we talked about the fact that it was, like, just just because of, like, the, the isolation that we were doing this. So I guess my questions are, number one, like, how terrible should I feel about this? I do feel bad, but not maybe not quite as bad as I should. Also, when I break up with my partner, I'm not exactly sure, like, how and when would be the best time um, and whether or not I should tell him also because of the isolation. I'm not sure if I can like even really hug him or touch him when that happens. So thank you for everything you do. Um, and any advice you have would be greatly appreciated.
3: We'll start with question two. When would be the best time to break up with your boyfriend? I think you should err on the side of breaking up with your boyfriend now, not waiting until the shelter in place order is lifted so that you can break up face to face just on the off chance that your boyfriend is isolating with someone that he'd like to fuck and who'd like to fuck him, that he's not fucking because he's committed at the moment to you. I think you should release your boyfriend in the same way that you've already released yourself. This relationship is over. You know it. I know it. Everybody listening knows it. The only person who doesn't know it is your boyfriend. That's why you felt free to go and fuck your roommate and you feel appropriately bad about it but not overwhelmingly bad about it because you've already moved on you know that this takes nothing away from your boyfriend that he hasn't already lost and while it's a serious technical foul that you were fucking someone before you ended this relationship or fucking someone without his permission you say you're in an open relationship obviously permission or or foreknowledge or being informed was i assume one of your rules or we can infer one of your rules and you violated that rule The relationship with your boyfriend is over, and that's why you don't feel that bad. Serious technical problem, but you don't feel that bad, and nor, I think, should you. These are extreme circumstances that we're all under. It's a lot of pressure that we're all under, people seeking what release they can, where they are, with the people that are available to them. I think, I don't want to say everybody gets a pass for that, I think everyone can wrap their heads around that and how that might happen, so... You should feel a little bad about it. You should feel bad enough about it that you're so motivated as to rectify the situation, which is not to jump in a time machine and refrain from fucking your roommate. It is to let your boyfriend know what you know, and I know, and everybody else listening knows the relationship is over, and he is a free agent now. Just as you have regarded yourself as clearly a free enough agent to fuck your roommate, he can now regard himself as a free enough agent to fuck whoever might want to fuck him who's available to him at this moment, you need to renew your birth control prescription. Want to switch up your birth control? Maybe try birth control for the first time. If you know what you want, or even if you don't know where to start, pill club has your back. Pill club is a birth control subscription that is delivered straight to your door. Most prescriptions are free with insurance or Medicaid. It can be as low as three 99 per month without shipping is always free and discreet and pill club schedules deliveries. So you always have your next dose on hand before you need it. So skip the office visit, skip the line at the pharmacy, and join the club. And right now, our listeners who go to thepillclub.com slash savage get a new way to get birth control and special care packages with every delivery. That's the slash savage to get your first birth control care package. Remember, the slash savage. Hello, Dan. I'm a gay man living in a city
2: in the Midwest. I'm calling today because, unfortunately, two weeks ago, my partner's father was admitted to the hospital and tested positive for COVID 19. Unfortunately, within a week of being admitted to the hospital, he passed away from complications due to the virus. This loss has been devastating for my partner, for his family, and for myself. His dad was a great guy who really made me feel like part of the family. I'm calling today because although I've lost people in my life, um, and I certainly consider this a loss as well, I've never been with a partner while they've lost someone, especially a parent. I'm just wondering what advice you have for me to help him get through this grieving process. To be honest, I feel like this grieving process isn't going to be a normal one. His family has kind of looked to him to lead them and guide them, and he's been placed in charge of the funeral arrangements. Obviously, they can't have a normal funeral, and unfortunately, his father will be cremated without the family being able to gather until a later date. I'm worried that once this is all over, my partner may just collapse into a deep depression. He's already experiencing a lot of anxiety, and his doctor has put him on medication. I've told him I'll be there for him, and I absolutely will be, but I'm not sure if I know how exactly to do that especially given that this is going to be a long-term grief. What advice do you or your callers have for
3: me to help
2: my partner heal from this terrible loss?
3: Twelve years ago last week, my mother died. She'd been sick for a long time, for five years, but the death was still sudden. She'd recently, uh, right before she passed, been told that she could expect to live another two to five years. And eight weeks later, she was dead. Thanks to a woman working for an airline at a counter at SeaTac Airport, I was able to get on an oversold flight to Tucson, Arizona and see my mother before she died. Always really grateful to that woman at SeaTac Airport. I looked for that woman for years so I could thank her personally, but never managed to find her. And I was devastated. I was completely devastated by my mother's death. There was a wake. There was a funeral. There was a big reception after the funeral, a big Catholic funeral, church basement, reception. And it was my experience, uh, in grief that the funeral and the wake and the reception, while emotionally important, weren't helpful for me in the grieving process, they were almost performances that we as the children and family had to, to get through before we could start grieving. To have that reversed, to be thrown into the grieving process before you can formally mark the passage of my mother or the, mark the passage of your uh, father-in-law, I, I imagine that would be incredibly painful. I also think that if you shift your perspective a bit, perhaps you could see it like this. At least in my experience, the, the funeral and the wake, I didn't start grieving until after. I had to get through that uh, before I really could feel my feelings Your partner is feeling his feelings right now. He doesn't have to hold it together for a funeral. He can throw himself into his grief, which is what I had to do. In a way, I had to lean into my grief. I had to let it fully move through me, which meant being devastated, being sad, uh, self-medicating a bit with my favorite self-medication supplement pot, bursting into tears in coffee shops and restaurants and grocery stores. I was a wreck for months and it was important, I think, to be allowed to be that wreck. It was important for me that my husband, my kid and my friends didn't try to make me feel better because I had to feel all that shit. What mattered was having my grief acknowledged by the people in my life Uh, and the importance uh, that my mother, the important role she played in my life acknowledged so my advice would be would let your partner feel his feelings, acknowledge his feelings, hold him, verbalize that it's shitty, that it's backwards, that he's, you know, being thrown off the deep end into the grief pool without the, the formality of the funeral first. But he was going to be where he is now eventually anyway. He was going to be where he is now with his grief in my experience after the funeral. maybe, this is a blessing and that he can process his grief. And I don't think you ever fully get over it, but you say things like fully process his grief before the funeral. And unlike me, and who's a wreck at his mother's funeral, who went through it in a, a, a daze, I was a zombie. Perhaps your partner, because he's grieving and feeling this pain now, instead of holding it back until after the funeral, the funeral for his father when circumstances allow for it to be held it will be a more joyful experience for your boyfriend or your partner that it'll be more of a celebration because your partner and his mother and siblings and friends and family all will have moved through really the worst stages of their grief and arrive at that event ready to reconnect with each other and celebrate his father's life. My heart goes out to your partner and his family. My my heart also goes out to you. What you're doing right now, the person that you have to be at this moment for him, that's a stressful role to play. That is a lot of, as they say, emotional labor. And so my heart goes out to you as well.
0: This episode is brought to you by Squarespace. We are all living online, right? I'm online, you're online. So if you find yourself in need of setting up a website to blog or make connections or move your business online, thank goodness Squarespace is here to help. They make it easy to create a beautiful website without having massive web design or coding skills. It's intuitive, simple to use, and genuinely the most efficient way to get a website up quickly. There's nothing to install, patch, or upgrade ever. They have great looking templates that you can just drop in and it looks good right away. You can collaborate with other members of your group or do an email blast, connect with social media, pretty much anything you need for a website. Squarespace is way ahead of you and they've thoughtfully included it. Head on over to squarespace.com slash savage for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, use the offer code savage to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. That's squarespace.com slash savage and use the offer code savage.
1: Hey Dan, 19 year old gay male from the East Coast here. And I have a question about this thing that I sort of had three months ago. So I was traveling abroad over winter break and, you know, as one does, I opened up Grinder, and I started talking with this really, really nice 24-year-old guy who was just like super sweet and like, you know, we sort of talked for a while and then I I, uh, I went over to his place and it was great. I mean, we 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 had a lot of fun. We drank wine. We we sort of we talked for hours and got to practice my foreign language skills because you know he spoke French primarily, and and it was amazing. And and the next day we saw each other again, and so we had this just like very intense forty-eight hour prolonged thing that was incredible for me and just sort of like helped me discover what I was like missing from previous interactions with other men and sort of was just really, really, um, like a confidence booster for me. And so that's sort of how things went in December. And then I get a text from him, Hey, I miss you. Call me when you get this. And of course, you know, not having contacted him in about a month, I was like kind of jumping because it was someone I had shared this very significant experience with. And so, you know, I text him, um, yeah, sure, I can call you at some point. So we we talk briefly, but sort of time zones get mixed up because obviously, you know, not in the U.S. And I I find out in trying to figure out when he's available, if he's, you know, romantically available by accident. And he um, lets me know that he got back together with his ex, whom at the time of our interaction, he described as super emotionally clingy, like not doing well sort of um, with their breakup, but now they're back together and in quarantine. And now he's sort of being cagey with me about what their arrangement is and like how I fit into the picture and like why he reached out to me, despite the fact that he got back together with his old boo like three weeks ago. So I'm just not sure what to do and how to get like a straight answer out of him.
3: 30 years ago, God, a little more than 30 years ago, 30 years ago and change. I was in Amsterdam for a weekend alone and it was winter and I wound up in a gay bar on the gay street. I think it was a leather bar on the leather bar street of gay bar streets in Amsterdam. Not in any leather. And I met the only other guy there who wasn't in leather, who was a German med student living in Amsterdam, going to school. I have something for the Deutsches Bracos, I think. And we went home. Picked me up. We went back to his student apartment, which was on a beautiful street with a canal. It was gorgeous. And we basically didn't leave his room for the next 36 hours. I spent the whole weekend With him. And it was lovely. And he was amazing. And the sack was incredible. But when I left, I left knowing, and he knew when I was leaving on that Sunday that we would never see each other again. That this was a wonderful thing, just one of those things, this wonderful thing that had just happened to both of us. But in a world without social media, in a world where we were both students and uh, our lives weren't very stable or settled. Uh, And in a world where long distance phone calls were incredibly prohibitively expensive, we weren't going to remain in touch. It wasn't possible. I think that experience is foundational in my theory of and my promotion of the the concept of the successful short-term relationship. That guy and I, that German med student in Amsterdam, we had a really terrific short-term relationship. Duration, roughly 36 hours. Location, Amsterdam. Place in my life, history. (laughs) It happened to me a long time ago. It's a memory I treasure and value. And I always have a soft spot in my heart and a lump in my pants for that guy. He was great. He was really wonderful. His comfort with himself and with being gay at the time, it was the 80s, and his sexual interests really helped me get more comfortable with who I was and who I am and what I wanted. And I'll always treasure his memory. And that's what I would encourage you to do here. You had a great weekend while you were abroad with some hot dude. You spent two days together. You're only 19 and you're separated by an ocean and a pandemic. And now he's in a relationship Again, with someone that he described to you, an ex that he described to you in unflattering terms, people usually don't talk their exes up with someone they're trying to get into bed with. So you may not have heard about any of his exes good non-clingy qualities, but there's something about his ex that he wanted to get back together with him and he has, which means there's all sorts of reasons why you shouldn't be fantasizing that this could become an LTR and rather embracing the successful STR that it was. You had a really wonderful weekend, the 19-year-old gay dude in Europe. You met a hot dude and you spent a couple of days together. Dig into that experience. See if there's any lessons in there for you from that experience, as I have uh, found lessons in my experience with that German med student in Amsterdam so many years ago. Those will always be with you. Value those. This guy pandemic, oceans apart, his romantic entanglements, he probably can't always be with you. So if he wants to be buddies because of social media, you have this option now that me and the German med student then didn't have, which was to remain in contact, to follow each other on Instagram, to follow each other on Twitter or Facebook, and remain in each other's lives from afar and perhaps chit-chat every once in a while. That's an option that you have. Perhaps you shouldn't avail yourself of that option or those options, if it makes it harder for you to move on from this experience and to look around once we're all let out of the house and see if there's anybody in your life a little geographically closer, a little more emotionally available to you that you might want to be with, who wants to be with you and who can be with you because as much as you want to be with this guy, I don't think he wants to be with you in the same way and logistically right now. He can't be with you. And I don't want to be ageist, but honey, you're 19 years old. You're just getting started. I I know what it's like to be in the recently out gay duckling phase where you kind of imprint on a guy who shows you a a good time and and some affection. And you, you imagine like the life you could have with this person, the boyfriend he could be to you. And you become really invested not in who he really is, but who you imagined he might be. And you can carry that imagination into your next relationship. That's not something he gave you or something only he can be to you. That's something that you now know that you have the capacity to want and imagine and to create for yourself. But you're going to have to find a person that you can actually create that life with. I don't think it's this guy. And, and rarely do people wind up in lifelong LTRs with someone that they hooked up with at 19, on vacation. The stress of daily life weighs on us all now more than ever. Whether you're an elite athlete or just a regular person trying to get through the day, muscle pain and muscle tension is a real thing that affects your mental state. Me and my husband work out a lot and sore muscles are one of the most common and boring topics we revisit with each other all the time. Enter Theragun, a handheld percussive therapy device that releases your deepest muscle tension using a scientifically calibrated combination of depth, speed, and power. Theragun products are used by over 250 professional sports teams worldwide, physical therapists, trainers, chiropractors, celebrities, athletes, and everyday people in over 40 countries. Perfectly weighted and ergonomically sound Theragon's unique multi-grip design is set up to maximize ease, comfort, and usability with zero stress or pressure on forearms, hands, and wrists, whether you're treating yourself or others. Feel better naturally, treat your pain, take care of yourself, and get back to your life. Try Theragon risk-free for 30 days or your money back by going to theragun.com slash savage. For a limited time, listeners of the Savage Lovecast get up to $150 off your device at theragun.com slash savage that's theragun.com slash savage.
6: Hi Dan I am a female I'm in a heterosexual marriage I have two kids and I've had something on my mind since I've been a little girl um, I've always had a strange fear of becoming a lesbian I found out two girls could like each other at about 12 and It kind of worried me and freaked me out. I've never had fantasies of being with a woman um, in in an intimate relationship, nor sexual fantasies as a little girl. But as I got older, I do have an arousal for girl on girl. It does turn me on, and it scares me that I could um, one day possibly decide I want to be in a relationship with a woman. And I don't want my marriage to end because of that, but I've had a desire for a very long time to be eaten out and I actually have never been eaten out. I not even by my husband of seven years. He has told me that he finds it kind of gross. Therefore it has made me insecure. My sex life has never really been what I've wanted it to be. But I do also get off to woman and um man and but it is still something that I kind of want to put to rest with my mind. It, am I a lesbian or am I a heterosexual or am I just fantasizing? It is something that I just kind of want to put to rest and eat my mind at ease with.
3: Joining me by phone to help tackle this question, coming to us live from her COVID safety bunker, Erin Gibson, co-host of the terrific Throwing Shade podcast and author of Feminasty, The Complicated Woman's Guide to Surviving the Patriarchy Without Drinking Herself to death. How's the drinking going where you are, Aaron?
7: Hey, you know what? I used to quit drinking in January. It was a bad time.
3: <laughs> Have you revisited that decision or are you sticking with it?
7: I've had some moments where I've been tempted by the Mezcal sitting on the um, refrigerator, but I haven't weirdly really wanted it. It's very strange. I don't like being this to my feelings.
3: <laughs> well, very scary. Well, uh, I don't want to undermine anyone out there who's sober uh, and wants to stay sober. But can I ask if uh, your new sobriety like forbids pot too? Cause I would not be getting through this without and, all of the edibles that I have hoarded.
7: No, I have not given up pot. So I have CBD sticks. I got, I got, I got THC patches. I got the whole thing. <laughs>
3: I think that's the right way. You know, I barely drink anymore and I and I don't miss it. But oh my God, pot not only I think makes that possible, but pot keeps me sane. In a way alcohol didn't. Alcohol makes you like dumb and more aggressive. Pot makes you calm and more reflective. I think pot is just better for us.
7: I don't like myself day after alcohol. I do like myself day after
3: pot. So Take it from me and Aaron, ladies and gentlemen, give up the Budweiser, pick up the bud. You'll be, that's terrible. I don't know why I'm saying that. Let's talk about this person's problem. That's
7: a, that's a great t-shirt. I'm into it. <laughs>
3: uh, you know, I've always liked to say that, you know, advice, some people get on me about having credentials. I hope you're not nervous about coming on and giving sex advice. People will say, well, you know, you, what credentials do you have? And if you look up advice in a dictionary, it says opinion about what could or should be done. The only credential you need is someone asked.
7: And who's really an expert anyway?
3: Nobody, which means everybody is, uh, particularly your uncle when it comes to your conspiracy theorist uncle, totally an expert about uh, coronavirus. So, but this woman, she seems to be an expert on her own desire patterns, don't you think? I have to be honest with you,
7: this triggered me in a very deep way because I went to high school um, in Texas, and there is a thing in Texas. Um and I think this is probably true for a lot of the South. I don't know where this woman is from, but a icky icky vagina attitude of mm-hmm. I'm not putting my mouth on that. And so when I heard her say that her husband doesn't do that, I was immediately connected to this woman because I think that's if if, if there's any reason I became a feminist, it's because of that.
3: Not just doesn't do it, but informed her that he finds the thought of it, much less doing it, gross. And she married him anyway. I
7: know. Well, here's the thing. It's like, it's like in the South, your, your autonomy is so, is so erased from you as a teen or a, a youth. You don't feel like you have the right to demand that in a relationship. And that's what made me sad about this, is that she never thought that she's just now realizing like, oh, maybe I don't like this.
3: Well, what she seems to, what I don't get and I can't square is she would really like someone to eat her pussy, and yet she's terrified at the thought of being a lesbian girl. If you're a lesbian, you would be totally getting your pussy eaten.
7: You're gonna be, you're gonna be the Tiger King of pussy eating, Reci- <laughs> receiving. Exactly. That doesn't make the, any sense, the, but you get it.
3: The Tiger King of pussy receiving it totally I, makes sense now that you unpack it.
7: There's a, there's just this, there's this hesitation. I and I understand it, like when you grow up in in regions of the world where like heteronormative behavior is the thing you have to do. And if you deviate at all from that, you're an outcast. It's very hard to, to square that, especially, I don't know if she's in a small town or wherever she is, but the disappointment that people may or may not have by you living your truth, it really pales in comparison um, to the things that you're going to get when you live exactly the way you want to live.
3: She doesn't Seem to know what her truth is, though she is. She says yeah. she's into girl on girl. She fantasizes about being with women, but she still gets off on uh, heterosexual sex. And yet, the, the the choice, the binary choice that she has constructed for herself, that's terrorizing her, is that either she is a straight lady who is married to a straight man who won't eat her pussy, and her only other option is going full les, as if there isn't some midpoint middle ground mm-hmm. bisexual, apparently not a word that wherever it was she grew up it was, she was ever heard or thought to Google. It's, you know, when,
7: when we have a crazy ex-girlfriend juggernaut that's, that's giving us songs like uh, about bisexuality, I feel like there's no excuse to not think that's an option. I also wonder if, if there's part of her that is because there's children involved now and there's probably a stickiness to that of feeling like, Oh, I, I, I can't explore this other stuff because I'm in, I'm, I'm, I made this decision. This is what I deserve kind of thing.
1: Mm-hmm.
7: Um, almost punitive in a way of, Oh, I didn't fix this soon enough in my life or explore this. So this is the real- reality I'm stuck with. But, you know, I would say the first problem that I see in, in, th- I think there's a lot of stuff to unpack with her question, but number one is what do you think you deserve in your relationship? And, how how can you start taking steps to get that? And if it's you can't convince your husband that you want a normal, healthy, sexual transaction, you gotta you gotta figure that out because that's not changing. That person's not changing.
3: And there are a lot of husbands out there who aren't a hundred percent opposed to their wives getting with other women. Kind of a cliche. Yeah. And that might be a a conversation that you can have with your husband. And maybe porn can be your way to broach the subject. There's a lot of girl-girl-guy porn out there. There's a lot of straight guys who watch girl-on-girl porn. If you know your husband watches some of that girl-on-girl porn, if you are familiar with his browser history enough to know that, then you should be able to discuss it, at least as, as, as fantasy, and maybe get your rocks off that way.
7: Yeah. And there's also a thing too, and I think this takes like almost a saintly attitude, but a lot of guys who don't feel like cunnilingus is like their thing or poo-poo it or, you know, have like vagina shame, it's because they don't know what they're doing and they don't even know where to start. So if there's some like Mother Teresa patients you could have with this person and say like, here's what I would like you to do step by step. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that could help over I don't know how much she loves this person um but if there's work to be done, it's holding this person's hand into doing the right thing. I personally am a very i'm a very rash person. I'd say dump him but, <laughs> <laughs> and get on with your life, but that's too easy. you know I know that's not like that's not an option for everyone always but there there's that there does seem to be a fear factor in this
3: yeah just as there's a difference but you know there's a point between. You know, being a lesbian and off on your own fucking girls or being with a guy, you can be bisexual. There's a point in between, you know, getting out of this relationship to get your needs met. Uh, And staying in the relationship and never getting your needs met. And that's figuring out an accommodation that allows you to stay in the relationship while also getting your needs met, which is a conversation about becoming monogamish, about some sort of hall pass, about whether it would be all right if you hooked up with other women, with or without him, that that's a conversation that you can have. And it seems to me that if you're thinking about leaving him over this, then why not throw the Hail Mary pass and have that conversation because you might be able to stay with him and get what it is that you want with other bisexual women. And there are three times as many bisexual women as lesbian women. Most bisexual women are in relationships, it seems, with straight men. Every day I get letters and calls from women who are like, oh, I'm bi, but I'm with a man. How do I you know, find somebody? How do I get a lesbian to sleep with you? Don't get a lesbian to sleep with you. Get another bi woman who's got a straight guy at home to sleep with you. There's more of you than win, there are win, win, lesbians. Win, win. Yes, yes, win, 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 win. Aaron Gibson, author of Feminasty and co-host of the Really Terrific Throwing Shade podcast. Aaron, thank you for jumping on the phone. It was really fun to get to have somebody to visit with during quarantine.
7: Yeah, I know. We, look, look what technology has allowed us to do. It's terrible.
3: It's wonderful. <laughs> thank you.
7: <laughs> Thanks, Dan.
3: Aaron stuck around and took another couple of questions there on the Magnum.
7: Hi, Dan. I am a mid-30s New Yorker who is a sex worker. I, of course, like everyone else, am practicing social distancing, doing the right thing. But the fact is, my clients still want to see me. And it's really difficult to switch to an online sort of thing. And we're making it work, and I'm still paying my rent. But my question for you is, I specialize in latex and sort of the weird stuff. Is it possible? Is it safe? To have sex during this pandemic with a gas mask, specifically, you know, a sex gas mask, like a real 100% face covered gas mask with filters, and I could sanitize and do all of those things. Is there a way that I can still meet with my clients and be safe?
3: Is it possible for you to meet up with clients wearing a gas mask? Sure, of course, totally possible. Is it safe? No, no, it is not safe. Someone who has been infected with this coronavirus is often typically asymptomatic for potentially weeks. And so if you have someone over who is asymptomatic and you are wearing a gas mask, say you're fully latexed up, every inch of skin covered and a really effective gas mask, that person who has entered your apartment who potentially could have COVID-19 and be asymptomatic is breathing is maybe clearing his throat, coughing, maybe sneezes. Maybe you have a cat and this person who has COVID is also allergic to cats and sneezes a couple of times. COVID, the, the coronavirus, this coronavirus, it can live on surfaces. So if you are wearing a gas mask and you get close to someone and they are breathing on you, they may be getting the coronavirus all over your latex, all over your gas mask. And after they leave, To remove all of that and to begin to sanitize it, you risk getting it on your hands. You risk inhaling it. It floats in the air. It can sit in the air. That's why they think the six foot of distance that we've been encouraged to maintain when we're in public from other people isn't adequate. Might not be adequate. It can like billow around in the air. In some ways, it is a hardier virus than many. And so while the interaction, while the sex that you were having – rubbered up, gas mask on with someone, it would be possible. And during the sex, you would probably not risk exposure during the act. It's after it's over with if you've had somebody over who's been exposed and contracted COVID-19 and is not yet symptomatic. It's after it's over that you're at risk because it wouldn't just be on your gas mask. It wouldn't just be on your latex cat suit Or gloves, it could be on your doorknobs, it could be on your furniture, it could be on your television remote, depending on how close he was to your TV remote when he coughed or sneezed or exhaled. So, yeah, I want to live in a world where people can see in person their hot latex fetish model Pro Dom and create as much joy and pleasure in this life as can possibly be created. And if somebody's joy is going to look very different from somebody else's joy, but no, this would not be safe, not at the moment, not until there is a vaccine.
8: Good morning, Dan. I'm sending you guys this advice on how I'm getting through COVID-19 from Pennsylvania. Just wanted to advise people to do the same thing you do with a partner to try to keep things interesting. You always say you know, have sex different places in the house, have sexual adventures, have a sexual adventure with yourself. Masturbate someplace beside your bed. I tried out my balcony under a blanket this morning because there was no one around outside and it was quite thrilling. So give that a shot folks.
3: That is good advice. Shaking things up, breaking out of your routine, getting out of ruts, not just for partnered people, people who are alone, people who are sheltering in place alone, don't have a sex partner. Getting online isn't your only option for getting off. You can explore solo sex. You can Get out of bed. You can get out of your usual spot where you usually masturbate. Masturbate someplace else. Shake up your routines. We should all be always looking to shake up our routines. It's fun to establish a routine that can be pleasurable. It's good to have a go-to place, a go-to spot where you feel sexy and empowered and everything feels good. Then you have to know when to break out, break the mold, try something new, establish a new routine, create a new pattern that then you can also break out of and move away from down the road. Thanks for the call. Great advice. All right, before we get to response calls, let's read your tweets. Jen M tweets, considering episode 702 of Savage Lovecast and the caller asking about birth control. Sounds like she's on a hormonal IUD, which can eliminate her cycle for sure. But there are copper slash silver IUDs out there that allow for a regular cycle. Hashtag Savage Lovecast. I know that. I don't know why I spaced that. I totally should have brought that up. Thank you, Jen M, for tweeting that at me. It makes it likelier that I will remember it next time. Sean Bustani tweets, Savage Lovecast is a horrible name for a podcast about sex and relationships. Thank you, Sean, for your input. You're about 13, 14 years too late, but uh, we'll take that under advisement. And finally, the Calvary Cross Baptist Church doesn't tweet. It's on their church sign. Happy Easter, everybody. We serve a risen Savior, not a dead Jew, to which I would say, well, he was a Jew his whole life, and very briefly, a dead one? If you buy the resurrection stuff, they tacked on to the Gospels as they went along. The Gospels, the Mad Libs of sacred texts. But sure, okay, Calvary Cross, Baptist Church, happy Easter, your ass is showing. If you want your tweet or your church sign read on an upcoming episode of the this is in response be sure to, uh, to include uh, caller in episode the hashtag who Savage or say something people so People finding her journals when she died. What you should do is scan them. Uh, if you scan them all and put them in a PDF file, you can hide them in your the same file calls. on your computer that you hide your porn in. And hopefully nobody can find that either. Or you can put it onto a, a memory stick and have it uh, password protected. And you'll have it for as long as you want. And if somebody else finds it, they can access it. But yeah, scan them.
8: Hi, Dan. I'm just calling in response to the woman on episode 702, who was saying that she wanted to try more natural forms of birth control and be more in touch with her body. And she sort of tossed off the possibility of using a homeopathic method. Homeopathic in square quotes here because, yeah, don't use homeopathic birth control. Homeopathy is not, as a lot of people think it is, just a code word for, you know, herbal or natural medicine. It is actually a completely ridiculous quack belief about how medicines work. Literally, when you buy a quote, homeopathic remedy, you're buying water. The belief is that the more you dilute something, the more effective it is. Don't do this. Please, please, please. If you are trying to avoid pregnancy, do not use a homeopathic method. They do not work just wanting to make sure that that got hammered home.
2: Hey, this is for the woman who's quarantined with her girlfriend's parents and is worried about making too much noise while having sex. There's a much simpler solution that I'm surprised Dan missed. Just play loud music. Or if you're worried that will kill the mood, go to her parents one night and suggest firmly that they watch that Netflix show that they've been getting really into, with headphones. They'll get what's going on, but so what? I'm sure they are just as keen to not hear you bang as you guys are.
3: And we're going to leave it there. 206-302-2064 is the number here at the Savage Lovecast. If you'd like to record a question or a comment for a future show, you can give us a buzz at 206-302-2064. Or better yet you can use the voice memo app on your own phone to record your question and email it to us at voicemail at savage we appreciate everyone who helps to spread the word about the savage lovecast we don't advertise we rely on word of mouth and reviews and tweets and people posting to their instagram stories about the show we we really appreciate everybody out there who subscribes to the magnum also everybody out there who talks up the show Follow me on Twitter at FakeDanSavage. Follow Aaron Gibson on Twitter at GibblerTron. The Savage Lovecast is produced every week by Nancy Hartunian and me and the tech savvy at Rescue and Nancy. We'll be back at you next week with our installment of the Savage Lovecast. Thank you for downloading and stay safe.